Well, good morning. We're going to be in John 10. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, your paper Bibles, or your Fibles, if you have those as well, your phone Bibles. John 10, 10 through 15. Uh, at the end, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and you will say in unison, thanks be to God. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, help us to take you at your word. Jesus, as the, the shepherd of our soul, right now, would you guide us into spiritual truth? Would you open our, uh, the eyes of our heart to see you more clearly? Would you open our ears that we would hear your voice clearly? God's people said, amen. amen. So as I thought about this passage, uh, a short story came to mind. So please try to picture this with me. There's a group of people, very proud people, standing around, semi-gathered in a dimly lit room. There's clearly an in-crowd and an out-crowd, but even those who are part of the in-crowd feel alone. No one truly wants to be there. The room is small and stuffy. There's only one way out of this room. It's a small cave-like opening in a wall that leads to a, a tunnel out. And people used to believe that through this opening was a haven, an oasis of fresh water, a feast to eat, full hearts. But to get out through this opening, one must get low and crawl for who knows how long. And stories had been exchanged about how the poor souls who had left the room before, how ridiculous and pathetic they looked as they squirmed and wriggled through the small opening never to be seen again. If the people in this room could be honest with each other, Though they could hardly be honest to themselves, many of them had moments of despair when they thought about crawling through the opening. But their hearts nor their egos could bear the thought of others in the room telling the story of seeing their backside wag out of sight. So they never dared to lower themselves, and instead they lived lives of inner desperation. And in that stifling room, their hearts shrank while their burdens grew. The end not a Disney story. <laughs> and if you're online watching and you're wondering what in the world does that story have to do with Jesus being the good shepherd, judging by the faces in here, you're not alone. <laughs> Hopefully by the end we'll all connect the dots. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Are you offended by that statement? If you grew up in church like me, you might not understand why that is even could be an offensive statement, why it was offensive to the Jews that were listening to this 
and why our modern American mind is offended by this statement. In our society, even right now, it's not a compliment to be called a sheep, right? Like if you've been online, you've maybe heard the term sheeple. Wake up, sheeple. It, it's, a, it's a derogatory term. It, it signifies somebody who's spineless and soft-willed and just does mindlessly, follows blindlessly whatever they're told to do by whatever their source of authority is. And if you're still not offended by being called a sheep, you just might not know that much about sheep. I, I've learned a lot this week about sheep. Uh, number one, they're not clever. Sheep are not clever. Perhaps you've heard the story of a flock in Turkey. There's a group of shepherds who are just eating their breakfast, neglecting their sheep. And one of the sheep starts walking towards a cliff and walks right off to its death. Long story short, 1,100 sheep survive. But only because their fall is cushioned by the first four to 500 other sheep who followed that sheep off to their death. <laughs> sheep are not clever. Sheep are not strong. Sheep are not formidable. They're weak and helpless. They have no horns. They have no, no claws, no, no teeth or, or venom. Like, it's just, they are needy and helpless and weak. They are totally dependent on some higher capacity being to protect them. They are like a TV dinner for a lion. They're just ready to be eaten. Sheep are not clever, they're not strong, they're utterly helpful, helpless and weak. And, another really theological term here, they're ewe. In my uh, studying of sheep this week, I was reading this family farmer blog who is really concerned about keeping the wool's best asset clean. Their wool. And I learned that the, what they call sheep poop is ewe berries, because a, a female sheep is a ewe, and look like berries. <laughs> but apparently, sheep have no problem dropping their ewe berries anywhere. Wherever they are, they just drop their berry piles. And they also seem to have no problem standing, sitting, sleeping, rolling in their ewe berry piles soiling their wool. They're like the best thing about them. They're kind of gross. And so, when Jesus, the great teacher, he's like, hmm, how can I teach humans about their spiritual capacity? What in creation mirrors the spiritual capacity of a human? Sheep. Do you see why the Jews might have been offended? Do you see why our culture would be offended? Because if he's the great shepherd, that makes us the sheep. Not clever, not strong, kind of gross. <laughs> and that's true. If he, the, the unflattering reality is that we are spiritual sheep. On our own, we're not clever. We cannot figure out what God is like. We, we can't survive 
without him, we're not strong. We're helpless. On our own, we are spiritually helpless. And on our own, we're spiritually impure. Right? We have soiled ourselves with just trying to be good enough on our own. Trying to say, yes, my righteousness is good enough. And we're, we're not good enough. We're impure. And so are you seeing, maybe, starting to see the connection to the story? To identify as a sheep is embarrassing and pathetic to our culture. You have to get low. You have to be humbled. You have to admit, yes, I'm needy, I'm weak, I'm helpless, I wander off all the time, I'm not focused, I don't have strength. I need a savior. I need a shepherd. I need somebody with a higher capacity to protect me. And so, our culture, the ancient Jews, they're allergic to this kind of confession. And honestly, each of us are kind of allergic to this confession. That's why we try to earn our own way regularly. And so Jesus declaring he's the good shepherd is not good news to somebody who is too dignified to admit that they need guidance, to admit that they are impure, to admit they need a savior. But if you can admit that you're a sheep, if you can confess and embrace that you're a sheep, this is the best news ever, because what does a sheep need more than anything else? It needs a worthy shepherd. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And that word good could also be translated noble or worthy. Jesus is the worthy shepherd of our souls. If you didn't grow up tending livestock, was just out of curiosity, anybody a shepherd in here? Ever been a shepherd? Okay, so you guys know this, but for the rest of us, I, like the imagery of being a shepherd doesn't mean all that much because I have not tended sheep. Uh, king David, shepherd turned King David, he did tend sheep, and he gives us some precious insight what it means that Jesus is the good shepherd in Psalm 23 because he knows exactly what a shepherd does. A, a shepherd makes sure that his sheep are fed. The, the Lord is our shepherd. That means he makes us rest. He makes us be still. My personal favorite, he restores my soul. And my soul needs to be restored regularly. He calls us by name. He prepares a feast for us. See, in the, in the East, shepherds worked a little different than Western shepherds. So Western shepherds are behind the flock, usually with a sheepdog driving the flock forward. But in the Eastern context, where Jesus would be, what he's referring to is the shepherd goes in front, and then he beckons the flock forward by calling them. So Jesus says, I call my sheep by name. And this is a precious distinction between the East and West because this means Jesus is never saying, hey, go out. Go out on your own. Go forward. No, Jesus never sends you where he's not already. And so he's saying, come with me. Come. Come be part of this mission with me. 
participate in what I am doing in the world. The shepherd is known by its sheep, right? The, the sheep recognize the voice of their shepherd. The, sheep, the, the shepherd lives among the sheep and is not afraid of smelling bad, not afraid of the Uberry piles, is okay living among the sheep. And that's the kind of personal God that, that we have, that Jesus is. He's not a far-off, distant God saying, go, do my will. No, come with me and do my will. I'm among you. Let's do this together. I'll be with you till the end of the age, Jesus says. And I want to warn us, too, though, shepherding, as you guys could attest, is not a soft job, right? I think we can have a sentimental picture of shepherding, especially those of us who grew up in the church. Uh, Maybe the shepherd's holding this little soft, cuddly lamb or over the shoulder. It it may be somewhat effeminate, but Jesus, it's not that way. He is compassionate, he's tender, he's caring. The Psalm 23 version of Jesus, yes, but that's one-dimensional. Shepherding was a hard job, it was tiring, it was sometimes treacherous. And, and Jesus, the good shepherd, is both tough and tender. He's, he's not one or the other. He's devoting to protecting his sheep fiercely. Even when, it, even when it was dangerous and difficult, he has loyal love for his sheep. And Jesus is also pulling from a, a, a long-running Old Testament theme that we might not be aware of, but Jesus' listeners would be aware of. See, Moses was a shepherd and then portrayed as a good shepherd over Israel. He gives the law. Then David is a shepherd, a good shepherd over sheep, and then a good shepherd as king over Israel. There's a theme. And then there was times where prophets would call out the shepherds over Israel when they were not being good shepherds. Zechariah calls the leaders of Israel worthless shepherds because they're taking advantage of the people for their own personal gain. They're like the hired hand that Jesus is talking about who care nothing for the sheep. And then if you read, thank you, if you read Zechariah 12 and 13, he talks about a shepherd that will come. A shepherd that will come who will be struck who will be pierced, who will be killed. And his death would bring about new life for God's people. And Jesus is the good shepherd. He's saying, I am this shepherd. I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. See, a a good shepherd, a good shepherd was willing to risk his life for the sheep. This is what David says when Saul, when he he approaches Saul, he says, when a a lion or a bear came, I would chase down that lion and bear if they took one of my sheep. I would chase down that lion and bear, I'd strike it, and I'd save that sheep from the jaws of death. I'd return him. But still, a good shepherd never intends to die, because then the rest of the flock would be exposed, right? 
David was a good shepherd, but Jesus is the good shepherd. And he not only risks his life, but willingly gives it for the sheep. And it's not accidental. The rest of the sheep aren't exposed. In fact, what he's doing is he's making sure that, the rest of, that, that all sheep could be drawn to him. See, Jesus is the, the true and better Moses, who not only gives the law, but fulfills the law. And he's the true and better David, who not only risks his life, but gives his life, ensuring that all sheep can be drawn to him. And because of our sin, we're all born into the jaws of death. Because of our sin, we're all born into the jaws of death. And remember, we're sheep. Sheep in the mouth of lion, utterly helpless. We cannot, we don't have any spiritual bargaining power. As Carson said earlier, we have no spiritual money to trade. We don't have horns or claws or venom or fangs. Or, there's nothing we could do to get out of the a mouth of a lion. Nothing we could do to get out of the jaws of death except for cry out to the good shepherd. Jesus, come save me. And and Jesus, the good shepherd, he comes not with a rod or a staff. He doesn't carry a sword or a club. He comes and carries a cross. He takes our place in the jaws of death. And in his death, he defeats the power of death and ensures that he's able to offer to all of us, to all who would call on him, life and life abundantly, life eternally. He's, he's calling to you, come to me. Come follow me. And because of the person and work of Christ, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his resurrection, all of us who call on him to be saved from the jaws of death, we're no longer in the jaws of death, we're now in his mighty hand. This is what Jesus says a few verses later in John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. This is the good news for everybody who will admit, confess, and embrace that they are sheep, that they need a Savior, they need a good shepherd, because there is a haven on the other side of the tunnel. And it's the good shepherd himself. He provides the feast. He, he restores our soul, and he fills our heart till we say, with, the, with David, surely goodness and loyal love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And, and eternal life doesn't start the day you die. It, it starts the day you know Jesus. John 17, 3, he says eternal life is knowing God. And, and we need to be renewed in our thinking now, not just once we die. We need to live in the, the, the present reality that Jesus is our good shepherd now. And and as we think differently, as we are renewed in our thinking, our life will be transformed. We will act and live differently now. And I want to highlight two ways. Two ways that following the Good Shepherd changes the way we live right now. Remember, the whole point of this series is to fix our eyes on Jesus. 
When Scott introduced the series, he, uh, we talked about Hebrews 12, 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder or the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's talk about this phrase, despising the shame. Because the cross wasn't just a form of physical torture, although it wasn't less than that. The cross was also psychological and social torture. To die on a cross was to die the death of a criminal, to be utterly exposed, to be publicly humiliated, to be shamed by humanity. But it says Jesus despised the shame. Some translations say he scorned the shame. But it's more than that Jesus just hated the shame, right? Like, we all hate shame. Uh, Another way that word despise or scorn could be translated, it's kind of clunky, but it's to think little or nothing of. To think little or nothing of the shame. Jesus thought little or nothing of the shame that humanity threw at him because he was never seeking the approval or glory of humanity. So he could ignore the shame. It didn't affect him. He had his eyes set. He knew what he was going to do. He was seeking the glory of God, not the glory of man. And as I have already talked about, there's a decent amount of shame in identifying as a sheep. And so as sheep, we need to follow the lead of our good shepherd, scorning the shame, thinking little or nothing of the shame of humanity because we're not after the approval of humanity. We're after the approval of God, and we have it in Christ. We are after the glory of God. We need to think little or nothing of the shame of man, and this includes self-induced shame. Even when no one else is telling you you should be ashamed, don't a lot of us have strong inner critics? Right? Are, are, does it sound like you? Are you your own worst enemy? Is no one harder on you than you? You have this internal voice saying, so stupid. I, I can't believe I did that again. This is why I'm unlovable. Does nobody hold a grudge against you like you do? It's almost like you're ashamed to be a sheep. You're ashamed because you think you should have the capacity and strength and resolve of a lion and not a sheep. And so it's this crushing burden you put on yourself. You're saying, God, I don't really want your opinion. Here's what I think about me. This is what's important to me. We're valuing our own opinion more than God's. And I can share this because I'm in the boat with you. I'm my own hardest critic. But part of the freedom that comes with being a sheep is we don't have to pretend like we're better than a sheep. We don't have to have the strength of a lion. (laughs) We have a good shepherd for that. We have a good shepherd. And so I, I encourage you And I encourage myself, too, 
there's a paradox of the Christian life that it's not insisting on our own strength, but acknowledging our weakness that brings freedom. So let's acknowledge together, we are sheep. We need a good shepherd, and we have a good shepherd. And let's embrace the freedom that comes with being a sheep and the rest that comes with having that burden just lifted off our shoulders because the good shepherd can carry it. Don't be like the proud people in the stuffy room that won't lower themselves to the status of a sheep and they carry that burden. And secondly, following the good shepherd changes the way we live because it's changing whose voice we follow. Right? We can hear the voices of man and even our own voice and it leads to that shame leads to all kinds of dysfunction. But when we're following Jesus, we hear his voice. Again, 1027, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. What we need more than anything is to listen to the good shepherd, because he's talking to us all the time. He's talking to us all the time. I used to be so jealous of Christians who could hear God throughout the day. Like, not just when they were reading their Bible, but they sensed the Holy Spirit leading them throughout the day. They, they sensed guidance and, and direction. And I thought, man, why can't I do that? <laughs> why don't I ever hear that? Don't you want to hear the voice of God throughout the day? How can, but how can we? With, with all the noise and all the things competing for our attention throughout the day, how can we hear the voice of God? I don't know if you guys know this, uh, I play the drums, not like Blair level good, but I can play the drums, and when I first started playing, and I would listen to music, all I could hear was noise. Like, I, I knew there was drumming noise in the song, but I could not tell what was happening. When I was st- first starting to learn, my ears were not attuned to the drums. Like, I didn't know which drum was being hit, and at what time, and what cymbals, and I had no idea. All the other instruments and the singing like clouded out what was happening on the drum set. And I didn't know the drum set well enough either to, to know which ones made which sound. So I started watching YouTube videos where there was nothing but drums in the song. And even then, sometimes it was too much, so I'd find... Uh, YouTube videos where there was only like three drums that a person was playing. And and slowly, over time, after a lot of focused attention, a lot of uh, isolating the different parts, I could pick up like, oh, that is, uh, I could acknowledge a a simple snare kick pattern. Could hear that. And and then I'd add a little bit more, and I've, like, I listened to drum fills, and sometimes it was really painful, because I listened to the same five seconds of a song a hundred times, and I'd be writing out each piece, trying to count for each sixteenth note, and then I'd listen to it again, and I'm like, oh, that's not right, and I'd try again. Over years of doing this, you know, I can hear a song now, and I hear all the instruments, but I can hear the drums, and I know the pattern that's happening, and I could imitate it. I, I can visualize what's happening in my mind. And I found that the same way, I found that it's happened the same way for me in hearing God's voice, in knowing God's voice. It took a lot of time alone, a lot of 
focused time in God's Word, in reflective prayer, in, in listening to godly people, in silence and solitude, before I started hearing God throughout the day amidst the noise of the world. Before my ears were attuned, it took a pattern of silence and solitude and of time alone in God's Word, where I, where I now have some of God's words by heart, and then I see Him in the world. I see it acting out, and I hear, I sense God's Spirit leading. I know what His voice sounds like now. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a joyful thing to be led by the Good Shepherd. Amen. And if you don't know where to start with silence and solitude or spiritual disciplines, I encourage you to grab a John devotional on your way out and, and, and start there. Or, or there's a, an app I've been using recently. It's just called Pause. If you go and find it, it leads you through a one-minute pause or a three-minute pause or five minutes or ten minutes. You can choose. But it's just a, a, a tool to help me slow down and listen attentively, to, to focus, to, the, to listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. Because it's this still, small voice. But it's so good to be led by the Good Shepherd. And, and the more we listen to the voice of God, the more we're able to scorn the, the sheep shame. Like I, don't, I care way less about what other people think about me when I'm attuned to the voice of God. Right? And so my hope for all of us is that we would not be like the, the Pharisees in that stuffy room, too dignified to lower ourselves, but that we would embrace our identity as sheep and we'd listen and know and follow the Good Shepherd. Pray with me. God, you are worthy, you are good. Help us embrace who we are that we're sheep, that we're weak, that we're needy, we're helpless, but you, in you we have all our strength. Let us experience the joy and freedom of our identity because we have you as a shepherd. Attune our hearts to hear your voice, Lord, and, and Spirit, fill us, empower us to know and to follow you. Amen.